We're continuing our series of prophetic words for 2024, and you do not want to miss the word my very special guest is about to bring. He's going to reveal how there are three attacks coming in 2024, what these attacks will be, what their implications will be, but most importantly, we'll be talking about how you can position yourself to counter these attacks, stand against them, and remain effective for the kingdom. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise, the streaming media broadcast that equips, empowers, and encourages you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. So don't go anywhere, because I am about to bring in Bishop Alan DiDio, and he's going to share about the three coming attacks in 2024. Bishop Allen, my friend, how are you? Man, it's so good to be with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes, absolutely. You know what? I think it is going to be a happy new year. It's going to be turbulent. It's going to be filled with yes. spiritual warfare. It's going to be filled with conflict, but it's also going to be filled with kingdom opportunity and the ability to press into God, remain in a place of joy, and especially remain in a place of kingdom effectiveness. No question. There's a sense in my spirit of, of excitement the way it was in 2019. Because for those who don't know, 2020 was a very difficult year for many. But for the remnant, we excelled. We flourished in the midst of all of that chaos and all of that darkness. Ministries that were faithful to the gospel exploded like yours and ours. And I, I sense the same thing coming. Because when there's darkness in Egypt, there's light in Goshen. I sense that there's a new glory, a new light that's about to spring up on the church. And it's going to be in direct contrast to the darkness that we're going to see in the culture around us. I agree. You know, Patricia King and I just finished a two-night webinar, Bishop Allen, about prophetic words for 2024, oh, sharing wow. what we've been hearing and receiving. And I was saying how I have this almost irrational excitement and expectation for 2024 because I'm very aware of the turbulence and the warfare that's coming. But I really believe that one of the keys is what you just said. Those who are going to remain faithful to the gospel and faithful to the presence, power, and personality of God as we tuck into him, as we look to him, as we receive his wisdom and his counsel, two aspects of his spirit that are going to be key, his counsel and his might, I should say, two aspects that are going to be mm. key. We're going to not just be okay in Christ, we're going to be effective in Christ. That's why I'm so interested in these three attacks that are coming, not so we give place to fear and panic, but so we're forewarned and we're forearmed so we can be effective. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned those two aspects of the Spirit of God. I assume you're referring to the seven spirits of God. Yes, yes. And so there's going to be an endowment that comes on us in this time and in this season. It's so glorious to, to fathom the possibility of a fresh revelation of the Spirit of God, not a new revelation. But a fresh revelation, something that's been lost, something that's been hidden, that's about to be uncovered. And we're going to see difficult times. The church, the religious sticks in the mud are going to show themselves. The statistics are already are already bearing that out, that the church has been operating without a vision. Mm. And as a result, 16% of the body of Christ today says uh, that they have participated in or paid for an abortion. 16% of the body of Christ. 35% believe the Bible condemns abortion. What's the other What's the other percent believing? When you look at 7% think that the Bible actually approves abortion. 20% don't know if the Bible condemns transgenderism. 
These, these are the stats that we're dealing with. This is what the modern church has created. But what's going to happen is there's going to be a schism and a division. A, 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 the hot are going to get hotter and the cold are going to get colder. And it's going to cause the light on those who are submitted to the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to get brighter and brighter. Here's, here's a few other statistics for those of you that are listening. I, I just find this fascinating and startling. 28% of Christians agree the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality applies today. 28%. So what are the other 70 plus percent? Where are they at? 90% of pastors favor the LGBTQ agenda. 90% or are silent on it. 73% of pastors oppose the overturning of Roe versus Wade. 73%. For the first time in American history, the nuclear family is now the minority. And for the first time in modern known history, there are more people coming into this country illegally than are being born in this country. This, these are startling statistics, and they spell doom if you look at the outward circumstances. But if you understand the God of the Old and the New Testament— who reaches down into these situations, into the muck and the mire, then you recognize all of this looks like kindling for a fire that's about to be lit. That's it. You know, one of the, the key scriptures God gave me for this year, Bishop Allen, was the morning of December 29th during my prayer time. And God highlighted and took me into Romans 12, 12. And it took me a minute to even realize 12, 12 adds up to 24. And I had one of those. I love those little glorious signs from God where you have that moment where you realize he's not only insightful, he's not only helpful, he's really clever. Like he's yeah. highlighting scriptures for 2024 that add up to 24. But where it says that we need to be glad for what God has planned for us to be patient in troubled times and always be prayerful. And I think that's a recipe for this year, especially as we're about to get into the three attacks that you're going to reveal. You're already sharing where the faith is under the attack, the church is under the attack, our nations are under attack. But God wants us to know that no matter what's coming, we can actually be glad for what he has planned in it. Not for the attacks, not for the turbulence, not for the difficulties, not for the lies that people are embracing. But we can be glad that God has handpicked us to be here now. We can be glad that we can wait upon him patiently, not sit back, arms crossed. All right, God, let's see what you're going to do. But know that he's up to something in the midst of it. And we can be glad that we can operate in our power and authority as dominion stewards, as believers in Jesus Christ, to be praying, to be wielding the sword of truth, to be exacting vengeance against the enemy and tearing down the powers and principalities behind these things. We can be glad that God is up to something. And even those startling statistics that you're sharing are exactly what you said. They're kindling for the fire of a revival and reformation. Yeah, there's a Levitical separation that's going to take place. That's what the book yeah. of Leviticus is all about, separation, priesthood. And many of us are familiar with the old story of the underground church in the USSR. I was thinking this as you were, as you were mentioning that, that there was a, a church, an underground church that was meeting in secret, and a KGB agent busts in, and he threatens everyone you know, if, if you want to stand for Jesus Christ and you stay and suffer the consequences, but if you leave now, then you'll be spared. 
and everyone but just a few left the room and then he put his gun away and said now i know who i can worship with wow and i think i think that's where we are right now that 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 it's being weeded Ooh, out that gives me chills where our tribes are right we're, we're able to identify where david is where samuel is where's elijah where elisha and how we can who we can stand with because i think our unity has been corrupted because we've stood with false agents of the gospel in name only but what's going to happen when all of them are weeded out and the only ones standing are true blue holy ghost jesus freaks and now when we stand in agreement with one another, truly one chases a thousand and two puts 10,000 to flight. I think that's where we're headed. Amen. I agree. I agree. So let's get into this. I want to give you room to share, unpack, however you feel to do this. Share with us these three attacks that you feel the Lord is revealing to you is coming in 2024 and what they are and any insights you want to share about them. Yeah, it's interesting since I began preaching about this and teaching about this, I, I think it was several months ago now. The sense that I had in my spirit that there's war in 24, and that war will manifest on three fronts. Now, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, because this is really important. If you can understand the enemy's devices, then you can prepare for the attack, you can stop an attack, and you can flourish in the midst of an attack. In fact, whenever he attacks you, if you're prepared for it, then you can prosper. For the Bible says, every time Pharaoh afflicted them, they grew and they multiplied. And I think that's where we're headed so long as the church will get ready. So the first attack that I sense in my spirit is a cyber war. That's very, very important. There's going to be a cyber war. This is going to deal with a lot of different things. The WEF and others are already wargaming these scenarios where they can hinder an election or they can stifle a culture through cyber attacks. And they're already talking about this. And they're already showing how they're going to do it. So we need to be paying attention to that. Also, within that attack is going to be privacy attacks. Privacy is the enemy of the Antichrist spirit. So they're going to come after privacy. They're going to, you even see Republican uh, candidates saying that everyone online needs to have like a driver's license or their actual identity verified so that the government can track that person down and know exactly who it is. So we need to be very leery of this and make sure when we're listening to people, People that we elect, you know, we're the kingmakers in the United States of America and in other democracies around the world. We're the ones who set people in authority. So we need to pay attention to these issues and make sure we're being prayerful. So number one, a cyber war, which we could talk a lot about that. Number two, there's a currency war that's coming. The currency war, everybody needs to pay particular attention to this. The currency war is going to show up in several ways. Number one, nations manipulating their own currencies in order to try to maintain their economies, which will have devastating effects on other economies, potentially America as well. In addition to that, there's going to be a currency war online, that this whole digital currency, which we see for the first time, and the reason why Christians are making such a big deal out of this is because this is what the Bible predicted all along, and people have allegorized it and they've spiritualized it because there's no way that the entire world would come under one economic system, and you would have to have a mark in order to in order to in order to buy or sell or participate in in the world economy. There's no way that could actually happen, and then all of a sudden we're there, and COVID accelerated that to the point that now they're going to cause other emergencies, other things that will cause you to fear that will cause you to give your currency over to them and control of these things, to digitize um, uh, your, your finances, 
So there's going to be some tragedy or some some difficult time that's going to say, for your interest and for your safety, you're going to have to do this. Listen, you're going to have to break the power of fear in yes. 24. You're going to have to break the power of fear in 24. Start now. Building your faith now to break that in the name of Jesus. And then very quickly, the third one, this is one that I struggled with. And after even sharing it for, I believe, two months, I was going to pull back from it. And I'll tell you what happened. I've been sharing that. I felt that strongly. Civil war. <clears throat> that That is a very strong word, civil war. And the way I've taken that is spiritually, according to 1 Samuel 21, there was a, there was a, and everybody needs to read that because it's very interesting. There was a civil war going on in Saul's kingdom, and he's going after David. And so I believe within the house of God, we're going to see that civil war come to its height. That this cold civil war that's going to, that's been taking place spiritually is going to break out and become hot uh, in the church. And that's really important to pay attention to. And so we're going to see churches and ministers choosing sides. We can talk as much about that as you want to, Brother Robert, whenever we, whenever we dive into that. But, and this is really, really important, as I was, I was going to change that, you know, because it's a little inflammatory, and I don't really want to do that. So I thought, I'll, I'll just say culture war. Mm. And the moment I changed that and sent to my, my team, a trailer came out, and this was just last week, for a new movie that's being released called Civil War that's being released in 24. And it is about the, the a civil war within the United States of America. I think that's prophetic. I think there's some, there's some um, predictive programming that's going on. And I think we need to be prepared spiritually. And if you'll do that, then you'll be prepared naturally. I agree. And, you know, I think it's important that um, you, you label it what it is, a civil war. You know, it was, I think, about eight years ago when all of a sudden I started noticing that more and more men were wearing not just beards, but long beards. And it wasn't just the occasional Duck Dynasty fan. It was more and more and more men wearing these really great, big, long beards. You you wear a wonderful long beard. Absolutely. And but it really struck me, especially in the first year or so of it, because in my lifetime, I hadn't seen much of that. I was I was uh, I grew up in the 70s, so I wasn't like around in the 60s hippie movement and all of that. But what kept coming to mind was because I'm a history fan. I kept thinking about Matthew Brady um, photography. And I remember thinking in my head one day, you know, we haven't had this as a fashion among men throughout culture since the Civil War. And I heard the Lord speak to me and he said, exactly. This is actually a sign that there is a civil war coming. And this was eight or 10 years ago, Bishop Allen. And then I can remember to your point of the civil war in the church, and our audience knows this. I've told them this story before. Years ago, Uri and I were at the theater, and I can't even remember what movie we were there to see. Um, but the trailers came on. And the first trailer was Batman versus Superman. And the second trailer was Captain America Civil War, where the, you know, the first one's about the DC superheroes fighting each other. The next one's about the Marvel. And I said, so, oh, no, you leaned over. And in one ear, in this ear, she whispered to me in my right ear, is the theme heroes attacking heroes? And in the other ear, I audibly heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, don't let that get into the church. And I started 
all over the world sharing on the power of unity, revealing how the accuser of the brethren works. So this civil war has been brewing and building in the spirit and in the nation, but in the church. And for this year, and I want your input on this, I'm understanding more and more of even scriptures God has highlighted to me. Just in the last few days, the Lord has been really highlighting his declaration, his, his proclamation, his invitation, but also his direction. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. And he's really been moving on my heart that that's not just about coming to church. That means continue to be willing to gather together with people that you're in agreement with. But we also need to grow up a little, I think, Bishop Allen, and realize he's I had an angelic visitation years ago in North Carolina where it brought in the presence of the Lord. And I won't go into all of it, but it was a region of the world he was sending me to. And he was showing me the major powers and principalities that would need to be dealt with, but also the kingdom strategies that would overcome that. And he told me that unity would be key for the churches in this area and that they were in great division. And I would have to help bring unity. And he said, Bishop Allen, do you want to hear my definition of unity? And I'm thinking in my flesh, I'm thinking, I think I know what that word means. But my spirit is thinking, of course, if you have something for me, I want to hear it. Immediately, this is what he spoke to me. Agreeing that I am Lord is more than enough common ground for any of my children to meet upon. And I think because we're talking not just about the attacks, but how can we position ourselves in the attacks to counter them and to remain effective? I think one of the most important things we need to do in the church is grow up a little bit and realize that if we focus on what and who we have in common more than what we disagree on, then we're going to see a unity. We're going to be willing to not forsake, but to gather together with the saints. And we're going to see what you said. We're going to see Pentecost movements of Holy Spirit landing because they were willing to be of one accord, which when you look at that word in the Greek, it's made up of two meanings, which means same place with the same focus and passion. It does not mean the same theological agreement on every issue, every political issue in agreement, every social issue in agreement. It means being willing to gather together in a passion for the Lord, looking to him for the fulfillment of his promises, we gather together in who we agree on and who we agree about and let him move powerfully. And then from that, we're going to see a church moving in a new level of dunamis manifested power where we see one setting a thousand to flight to 10,000. So I think it's important that you're calling this attack a civil war assignment of the enemy because we need to be aware of it so we can stand against it. Yeah, it's, it, we have to become fierce about what you said. If Jesus is Lord, that's the unifying factor. And there's so there's a maturity and a fierceness that needs to come along with this. We need to be fierce about protecting that unity. Meaning, if someone comes against that, we are fierce about eliminating that from our midst. Now, that requires a maturity and a balance. Like, how can we be for unity and be harsh at the same time? And it takes the Holy Ghost. It's going to require the supernatural inspiration of the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come upon us as we operate in these things. Because, And then at the same time, as you're fierce in cutting people off who will not uphold that unity, you're also open to them coming back should they repent and should they turn. I recently had a debate on my YouTube channel with someone from the Reformed camp, and they just can't see 
They just they can't see how someone who believes differently than them, whether about a healing or prosperity or the gifts of the Spirit, how they could actually be a good brother or sister in Christ. It's almost like this, this brainwashing that's been done that we've got to snap people out of. There's been a common phrase uh, within the culture lately of, of red-pilling someone. And I, for, for your audience who may be too spiritual for this, I apologize. But there's a, there's a movie called um, Hunger Games, which was a series of books as well as a series of movies. And I think, Robert, you're probably familiar with it. My and, wife just rewatched several of them. Yes. Okay, so this is going to hit home. So pay attention to Mockingjay Part 2, which is, in the, which is in the final part of the series. A main character named Peta, who gets on my nerves when I'm watching the show, but never mind. Never mind. <laughs> he is taken into the Capitol, and he is brainwashed, hijacked, to the point that when the name of the main character, Katniss Everdeen, the good guy, the hero, the good girl, the hero, whenever her name is mentioned, he flips out. He freaks out whenever her name is mentioned. Because he's been hijacked and brainwashed to believe she's the enemy. There are so many in the church who've been hijacked mentally, brainwashed. And you can tell, all you got to do is drop the word prosperity. Drop right. a certain minister's name and they flip out. It's like all reason goes out the window. They go from being a reasonable individual to just saying crazy things with no basis in reality whatsoever. And that has to be... We have to get to a place where that's not tolerable any longer. Yeah. Not tolerable. We need to try to reach them. We need to try to red pill them with the blood of Jesus Christ. But until they repent, listen, that kind of gossip is no longer allowed, and that's what it is. That kind of gossip is no longer allowed in my ears or in my hearing without me saying something about it. You know, Andrew Womack is very strong about when someone says something against the word, he's going to lovingly but boldly say something, not just hold it in his heart. He's going to say something. I think we need to get that way. I'm with you, you know, and that's actually biblical. Jesus did this in the sense of when you read that Jesus rebuked a foul spirit, I, years many years ago, the Holy Spirit had me do a word study on that. And in the Greek, the word is epitomio, I believe, or epitomeo. And it has two very distinct meanings that seem to be opposite of one another to value greatly but then the other part is it, and it's been years but it was something like to stand against strongly and i remember asking the holy spirit how can you value something greatly but stand against it strongly he said this is the key to rebuking foul spirits to value the person it's affecting so greatly that you will stand for them but you will not stand in any way that spirit you will stand against it you will you will not give place to it but you can value the person but not value the spirit i think we need to do that i think we need to learn how to rebuke i think we really need to learn how to not war against flesh and blood but to war against powers and principalities man that's so and good we need to stop being sons of thunder and where we are let god speak to us and say hey i did not come to destroy man because even if that minister that i have an irrational response to has given over to those things why are we yelling about him as opposed to going to war for him yeah. because he is a brother and even if he stepped into the trap why don't we go to war for him in prayer the way the church went to war for peter in prison now peter's prison was literal but if we're willing to see that a brother or a sister who has given into a compromise or a lie, why won't we see that as the enemy imprisoning them in a lie or a trap 
and value our brother or sister and go to war against the enemy and pray for them like the church paid for pray for Peter so that we can see him or her set free. I think if we do that more and more, we'll grow in our compassion in God's heart and our effectiveness for him on earth. We can't get trapped in the prison of two ideas and get in this tribalism uh, that, that the enemy tries to put us in, and he does it successfully. You're exactly right. So we have to be able to confront that false, confront that individual and harshly and boldly, and at the same time understand how to love them and how to be there for them and how to pray for them. I have a whole chapter in my book called Arm for Victory about imprecatory prayers. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for us in the New Testament church? Imprecatory prayers is like when David is praying for his enemies to cut, be cut down as the green grass. How do we apply that as believers? Because it's all throughout Scripture. And you're exactly right. What we do is we we don't pray that against individuals. We pray that against the spirits that are behind the individuals. Watchman Nee wrote about this beautifully, and I put a little mini bio of him in that book, where he was imprisoned by religion, really betrayed by religious people, and then Mm. imprisoned for his beliefs in Christ. And he wrote about this. He said, we as Christians... We'll hate one another, but we don't hate the devil enough. One of the greatest weaknesses of the modern church is that it doesn't hate the devil enough and bring him before the righteous judge every day, just like that widow woman in Luke chapter 18, bringing him before that judge, even though it was an unjust judge, night and day, night and day, night and day. And Jesus said, am I going to even find faith on the earth? We've got to bring our enemy, our spiritual enemy before our God and say, it's time to deal with this in Jesus' name. I agree. I said years ago when I was when I was trying to help people understand the accuser of the brethren and the civil war that was coming to the church, I used to say frequently, if we would spend even half as much energy attacking the enemy as we do attacking one another, we would become so much more effective for the gospel. Wow. Let's focus our sights on the true enemy. Let's stop being sons of thunder. Let's be sons of God. And let's do the work that Jesus did because nobody saw our shortcomings more than him, our errors more than him, the traps that we'd stepped into more than him. And he did not come to accuse. He came to set free. And yet he never, ever tolerated sloppy grace in any way. He didn't come and say, hey, I love you, so it's all cool, bro. He came to say, I love you. So I'm here to open your eyes and your ears and your hearts to where you're giving place to death and destruction, because I'm here to set you free. It's interesting. Thunder will will rumble everything in a general area, whereas lightning has precise strikes. So maybe we can be sons of thunder and lightning in that we are are precise in the direction that we point our ire, which should be against our spiritual foe. Come on. And if we got a second, I want to talk about 2024, the number itself. And what that means for us, because this part will be encouraging. You ready for that? Absolutely. Go for it. So, guys, this is so cool. As I'm talking with some dear friends and great people about the meaning of 2024, everybody's talking about that or 5784, and they take the four on the end, and four is the delete. It means the door, and all that's wonderful, and this is certainly the year of the door. And there, the Bible says there's a great door and effectual opening to me, but there are many adversaries. So people say, is it a year of war or a door? And the answer to that question is, yes, it is both. But let's look at the two numbers, 20, 24. The number 20 represents biblically expectation, expectancy, the belief that something is imminent and could happen at any moment. 24, that number, it represents divine governing. So 20 means expect, 
24 means divine mm. governing. Expect divine governing. Somebody write that in the comments. Expect Woo! divine governing. Now, we've talked about the three possible wars that we're going to be facing and attacks of the enemy, and we can prepare for those things and anticipate those things, but our expectancy is not in those things. Our expectancy is in him. So I want to ask all of you that are watching this, what are you expecting in 2024? Not what are you anticipating, not what are you predicting are going to happen, because there's a lot of bad things that can happen, and you need to prepare for those things. That's great. But in your spirit, there needs to be a sense of expectancy that in the midst of the darkness, there's going to be divine governing that is going to take place. You need to raise your level of expectancy in your mind, in your times of meditation, in prayer. You need to begin to expect divine governing. Activate the Holy Ghost hope on the inside of you so that you can operate in Bible faith. Because the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, Brother Robert, we got so many people who are trying to operate in faith, but they've never spent any time building their hope. So their faith is soon shipwrecked. Oh, but if you'll build your hope, if you'll, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. If you will get your mind on what he has promised, what he has provided, what he has declared, and begin to expect that in this year. Well, they say it's going to be bad, Pastor Allen. They say this is going to happen. That doesn't mean that God can't move. Look at what happened over the last four years. We had one of the most corrupt administrations enter into office, one of the darkest political moments in recent times in American history, and Roe versus Wade was overturned. Come on. We need to expect divine governing and don't look at the outward appearance. I get so bothered as a pastor. I've pastored for more than two decades now. As a pastor, people will ask me to pray for a good report. And I'll say, I'm not going to pray for you to have a good report. I'm going to pray for you to be whole, for you to be healed, regardless of what the doctor's report says. Everybody's so fixated on getting the, the ability to see it. you got to learn to build your faith, ladies and gentlemen. you got to learn to stand in faith and stand strong when all the evidence is to the contrary, like Abraham, who staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he is able also to perform. You need that kind of faith so that when things Come look on. dark all around you, it does not move your expectancy, which is of him. Expect divine governing. What are you expecting in 24? Post that in the comments. You post your hope-filled, faith-filled expectation of what God can do in the midst of all of this. Because remember, if you think things are too dark, too dire, or too far gone, read your Bible. Hmm. When Satan himself had the keys to this realm, God stepped off his throne, manifested as a man, and shifted everything in a handful of years. And you are now the body of Christ here on earth, and God wants to give you hope, he wants to give you faith, and I believe he wants to give you some Holy Spirit-graced imaginings of what not only he can do, but what he can do in you, through you, and for you. So post in the comments what you're expecting. Bishop Allen, as you're sharing all that, I'm thinking, this is what God was trying to help me to see in Romans 12, 12. Be glad for what God has for you in the midst of all this. Yes. And because we're not supposed to just hang on 
and duck and cover. Yeah. We are here to advance. That's why, you know, our audience knows some of the words for 24 that I've been giving. I've still got a few more to record, but that there's spoils of war in 2024. Mm. And that's more than just recovering. We as the church have been pursuing, overtaking, and attempting to recover all that's been stolen these last few years. That's great. But God's promise was not you're going to recover in 24 or there'll be compensation or payback in 24. He said for those who are willing to go to war in 24, there will be spoils of war and spoils is more than you ever had. Come on spoils. I just happen to have this definition in my brain. Come on the subject of spoils. It means to drive out and make poor the previous tenants Woo! to spoil. That's what it means to drive out and make poor the previous tenants. So there will be spoils of war in 24 because we're going to be activated to rise up, to drive out, and to make poor, to strip them of everything they've stolen from the kingdom. It all belongs to the kingdom and that's put it, it back into the hands of the of the righteous. Amen. All right. Well, Bishop Allen, that's the civil attack that's coming. I want to touch base on the cyber attack and the currency attack that you mentioned. And you've got a lot more knowledge and understanding of this stuff than I do. But as I'm listening to you, especially in regards to um, both the cyber tracking, the cyber, cyber badging, and then the currency where they want to make it all digital. And from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, the digital stuff they're talking about is not traditional de uh, uh, decentralized uh, uh, cryptocurrencies. It's a very centralized, like... Uh, uh, Federal Reserve or U.S. digital currency. And my concern about all of it, and this is where the attack would come in, is that it's a way to control, limit, and track us through our spending. Because if it's this centralized digital currency, they can simply just flip off our ability to go out and spend our money or they can simply seize it as a digital asset. But just as much, even if they don't do that, they'll be able to track literally every single purchase we make. And people are maybe thinking, who cares if they know I bought bananas today? Well, it's more than buying bananas. It's what literature are you buying? What books are you buying? Are you buying ammunition? Are you buying this, that, or the other thing? Stuff that's none of their business. And this isn't out of a spirit of fear or, or paranoia, it's realizing that to me, hearing the cyber and currency attacks, getting out of the specifics of it, all I hear is an attempt for dark powers through government and agencies to control, limit, hinder, interfere, steal, kill, and destroy. And that's all the enemy. Yeah, and we already know what China has been doing with their social credit score, where based on your social media posts, uh, it it determines where you can go, how far you can go, whether you'll be fine. So, and we all look at China and say, well, that's fine. That'll never happen in these Western countries. So let's look at Europe. Right now, there are places in Europe where it is illegal to use in one transaction a thousand dollars or more of mm. cash. That they that they would consider you a terrorist type individual, put on that kind of watch list, if you use that much cash. So you must convert everything over to credit and over to digital so that they can track everything that you're doing. And then they're mm. able to take, and that goes into the 15-minute cities that they want to create, and they want to create this world where everything's within 15 minutes of you and you, you don't have to travel. And actually, you, you have a waiver. You can travel once a year beyond that or twice a year beyond that. But other than that, you have to stay within for the environment, you understand, for the sake of the environment. We have to make sure we're going to drive around in our jets and we're going to you know right. we're going to have our mansions, but uh, you have to stay within 
15 minutes of your home and you've purchased too much meat already this week. Um, so you can't have any more meat because, of course, the environment, which is the environment, of course, is the new terrorism that they're going to try to foist over on us. That's how they're going to bring all the fear that the world's coming to an end. And I think people are waking up to this. I, really I do, too. They, I, I think they're waking up to it, but they got to wake up faster. Yes. got to wake up faster. We've, we've gotten to the point where we're just there's been so much noise. We turn off and we need to make sure we have access to favorable, trusted sources to get our news so that we don't take the bait. So when you're dealing with digital currencies and things like that, you're exactly right. They're going to create something that looks like um, what Bitcoin has done and whatever the case may be, but it's all controlled and tracked by the government. Very similar. What I think what we're going to see, I just wrote a blog about this called Operation Trust. Operation Trust was a government operation during the Bolshevik Revolution where the government created a fake anti-government organization. They created a fake organization um, that would get people to join to go against the government. Pay attention to this. This is really important. And so they would know, they would get information. They would know who's joined that organization. They would get information from them about other things that are going on. But here's the most dangerous thing. The existence of that organization pacified other people who would have normally revolted by now but because they believe somebody else somewhere is doing something, they think, well, it's going to be taken care of. I don't need to do anything. So you need to pay attention to this because the enemy is going to set up these, uh, these false flags. They're going to set up these, these black swan events, but also these fake against organizations that you think are doing the job, that there's going to be some uh, white knight who comes and saves us politically or whatever the case may be. No, no, no. You're the answer to the prayer that you've been praying Come on. politically. You need to run for school board. You need to get on your city council. You need to get informed, educated, involved, and begin to participate in the system wherever you are around the world. And don't trust what you hear being said on social media. It's all a farce. Yeah, and I'm going to say something strong, but I mean this from a loving heart. Don't you dare disengage from the political process because that's not giving place to the political spirit. That's you bringing the kingdom of God, his values, his will and his ways into a system of man. The systems of man are not the answer, but us bringing kingdom wisdom, kingdom values, kingdom anointing, kingdom solutions into those systems is the solution. He's yeah. the solution. You express that solution, but we're not to disengage from the world. We're to do the works of Jesus Christ, who literally birthed himself into the world, stepped into the world to bring about change. So don't let anybody lie to you and tell you if you're standing for a candidate or a platform that is more righteous, that is more aligned to kingdom values, that you're giving place to a political spirit and you should disengage. No, that's the lie of the enemy trying to get you to check out and duck and cover we are to bring the kingdom into the earth as a solution we're not to disengage until we go home to the sweet by and by yeah additionally people will tell you it doesn't matter right you know, it's so corrupt that your participation won't make a difference at all and i need you to know something you are a holy ghost filled fire baptized believer greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world your vote is a seed and just like the widow woman who placed that might, Jesus said she's given more than everyone else. He can multiply the seed sown. Ooh. He can increase and multiply your impact 
that will tip the scales of what the enemy is trying to do. All you have to do is participate in faith. Again, what are you expecting? Expect that when you participate, it's a seed that is going to increase and multiply in the name of Jesus. I agree. Even when Uri and I pay taxes each year, I'm aware that much of that money is wasted and much of that money goes to foul things. But when we pay our... No, exactly. We plead the blood of Jesus over our taxes. We declare that we're not paying taxes, but we're sowing into a righteous nation and that the funds we're sowing will be used for righteous purposes. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I've got another comment that I want uh, Pastor uh, Allen, Bishop Allen, to respond to, but I want you to post in the comment a positive prophetic affirmation. I will be part of God's solution. I will sow kingdom into the earth. Whatever you're feeling and every all the great wisdom he's sharing, whatever's resonated with you, make a prophetic statement that you will be part of God's solution in 2024. Bishop Allen, as we're talking about especially the cyber attack and the civil attack and all the things that you're highlighting and revealing and unpacking, Ultimately, as I said, my concern is this, is it's the powers and principalities working through systems of man to control. And I think control only really works if we give place to fear. Like, oh, I better I better do this or they'll take all my ability to spend away. I better get whether it's, you know, I don't want to I don't want to even the way that the, the algorithms limit us with certain words we use, which is just crazy. But I think we have to be aware of something. And again, I think since 2019, when God started speaking to me about how he wanted to bring his church back to some basic foundational truths to live from and be effective from, I think one of the ones he's really highlighting to us afresh is you have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and a sound mind. And what does that mean? For me, it means any time that I have a reaction it doesn't look and sound like faith, hope, and love, I realize it comes from fear. And I may not be quaking in the corner. I may be angry and feel like raging. But if it's not a righteous anger against the enemy and the dark powers and principalities, if it's against flesh and blood, it comes from fear. Like, oh my gosh, they have all the power. They have position. What can we do? No, no, no. There's so much we can do in the spirit and in the natural. So if you find yourself... With any manifestation of fear, it's very important that you declare, wait, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. And in Christ, I have the authority to say no to that, rebuke it, and make it go. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of love. And in that love, power. And in that power, the ability to operate in self-control so I can position myself as part of the solution and take hold of the wisdom that Bishop Allen is sharing and position myself to be effective for the kingdom in those things. We, I think we need to get very, very um, uh, black and white about am I operating in fear or not, not for condemnation, but so that we can move in that authority and say, I refuse that spirit of fear. God, thank you that you've given me a spirit of love and power. And in that there's counsel, there's might, there's revelation, there's knowledge, there's understanding, there's the fear of the Lord, which is going to make me want your solutions and be a part of it to revere you. And also to remember that if I have the fear of the Lord, I have nothing to fear of the enemy. I just need to know the solution so I can participate in it, God. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, an important thing to remember is when you're dealing with fear, if you want to break its power, you have to repent of it. 
before you can bind it and rebuke it. Because fear is a sin. That's something we must fear is where we distrust God. Trust is something so valuable that God sent his son to die for the love of it. Mm -hmm. And that if you will just trust in Jesus, you can have eternal salvation. When we fear, that is a sign of distrust. We must learn. And when you read the tail end of the book of the Revelation, it lists those who will be found in the lake of fire, those who will be cast into the lake of fire, adulterers and whoremongers and sorcerers. You know who's at the very top of that list? The very first type of individual that's mentioned, the fearful will be cast in. Fear is insidious. It is dark. It is wicked. It is treacherous. And it's not just something you're battling with because you know this is a difficult time and you don't really know what's going to happen. And Pastor Allen, I just need some clarity. That's all I need. I just need clarity. No, no, no. What you need is trust. And trust will break the power of that fear. There was a pastor who who um, went to go see, uh, I believe her name was, what was her name? That woman over in Calcutta, India, Mother Teresa. Oh, Mother Teresa. He was battling with so many things. He didn't know what he was going to do with his life, didn't know uh, what to do. He was just, as a minister, he was broken. And he said, if I could just talk with her, he talked to everyone he knew to talk with. If I could just talk with her, I know I'll finally get clarity. And so after some time, he got to meet with her. And she said, what would you like me to pray for you about? He said, would you just pray for clarity? And after all of his time of observing her and of watching her, he said, I'd never seen her become so stern. She pointed her finger and said, no, I will not do that because clarity is the last thing you're holding on to before you trust God. I will pray that you trust him. Some of you, you need to know this and you need to know that. All of that is just a sign of distrust. But if you'll let go and trust him, it'll break the power of fear off of your life. And we need to understand that sometimes when we have fear, we think we're being rational. We think we're being, um, um, uh, we're understanding the situation and how dark and dire it is. But we need to understand fear is a spirit. You have not been given a spirit of fear. And it's also the granddaddy of all ungodly emotions. Because when Adam, to, to Bishop Allen's point about not trusting God, when Adam was set, when chose to separate from God and the God came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? And, and, or outside of the garden in Eden, Adam, where are you? He was hiding. And he says, because I was afraid. Fear is a sign that you've separated yourself from God, from trusting God, from putting your hope in God. And as Pastor Allen said, we just rebuke it and then we can bind it. And then be intentional then about receiving the spirit of love and power and self-control. And that last part is huge that we operate in a sound mind, some translations say, but you can translate it as self-control so that you control yourself to not give place to fear the next time. Because few things, offense and fear will take you out of your kingdom effectiveness probably faster than any two other things. And they're both so closely related, but fear, fear happens when the scales tip regarding the information you possess. When you have more information about the situation than you do about God, fear manifests. That's when the scales Mm. tip. So you have to, you have to correct that by increasing your knowledge of God. To know him is to trust him. And so as you increase your knowledge of him more than your knowledge of the situation, the scales tip back over into faith. And that's how you can balance that out. 
Woo, I love that. That's uh, one of my favorite scriptures, Bishop Allen, is Genesis 15.1, where the Lord declares to Abram, I am your exceeding and great reward. He's not being redundant when he says exceeding and great. They're two different words. And exceeding is ma'od. And one of the ways you can translate that is louder and louder. And God, who's about to give him the desire of his heart, the promise for an heir for Isaac, he's setting him up not just to receive the promise, but how to navigate into the promise by saying, I'm not just your great reward, but you need to let me being your great reward be louder and louder than anything else in your life. Wow. You let who I am, what I'm like, and what I've said be louder and louder than any circumstance, any lie, any fear, and you will come into every promise I have given you. Hallelujah. He's always exceeding himself, isn't he? He always he is. He increases. If Moses, the first time he meets him, he's a burning bush. The next time the mountain's on fire, he's always exceeding himself. And it's so glorious to know him and to continue to get to know him. Woo. Hey, do, do something real quick in the comments, invite God to exceed himself in your life where you've known him, invite him to now come exceedingly abundantly to become even louder and louder in his, in his character and his nature and his presence and his power and his personality in his manifestations and breakthroughs, invite him to exceed himself in your life. Bishop Allen, I love our conversations. I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, I want to make sure everybody knows where they can get more from you, not only from Encounter Ministries, but where they can watch you online, your media, but also your church services. Because even when you talked about pastoring for more than two decades, I could feel some hearts leap out there. Of, oh, I'd love to have a pastor like that. And you would. But you can receive from him through his media, through their online church services, their incredible media. Mm -hmm. But also let them know about Encounter Today to where they can get your take on the news of the day to help push that fear away and bring in that place of faith and effectiveness. We're really trying to build more than a parallel economy, a parallel community where uncensored we can talk with one another. So EncounterToday.com, we're building, we're investing tens of thousands of dollars. It's about to be released. A whole community where we can thrive together, grow together, and uh, and fellowship together. We, we Discipleship is important to us. So if you go in to EncounterToday.com, we have something there called Premium Membership. It's really of little to no cost. It's just there to weed out anybody who's not really interested. And behind that, we have tremendous opportunities for discipleship behind the scenes. If I'm interviewing somebody, I'll go on there and say, I'm going to be talking to this person. What questions do you want me to ask? We do we do. Um, um, Q&As and question and answer with one another. Just really a glorious time. And we're starting to build, Brother Robert, this whole news aspect so people can have a Holy Ghost place to get news. And that's at Encounter Today or EncounterNews.com. Encounter News. And we're going to be publishing two to three articles every single day mm -hmm. of what's happening and what you can do about it. Not just all the doom and gloom, but here's what's happening and here's what you can do. Amazing. Thank you. And then you've got all sorts of great projects going on. Um, like, I, I don't know if anybody can tell, but I'm drinking from my Encounter Coffee coffee bug that you guys so graciously sent to our house for Christmas, along with a wonderful Azusa Street blend of coffee that you and I enjoyed over the Lord, holiday. You Thank you so much. How, how cool is this to have coffee? We've got the Azusa Street Mornings. That's what this is called for a morning outpouring. And then we've got the Wigglesworth blend, which is featured on that coffee cup there. We might run out of those coffee cups. you got to go go to EncounterCoffee.com. Imagine that. 
EncounterCoffee.com, yeah. and that helps us with our support of the persecuted church around the world. So with every yes. bag, with every cup of coffee, and they're great gifts because on the back, there's a little history about Azusa Street or about Smith Wigglesworth on the back of the coffee. Such a such a God idea. You're going to drink coffee anyway. Might as well be Kingdom Coffee. Come on, exactly. Have so, a little revival in your cup in the morning. I love yeah, it. Everybody, I love it. Every, have a little revival, a morning outpouring. or A, a morning outpouring. Yeah, and get it at EncounterCoffee.com. It's so much fun. And it's really good coffee, isn't it? Really good coffee. It is really good coffee. And I'm a little bit of a coffee snob, and I really, really liked it. Really liked it. Yeah, it was outstanding. Um, okay, and then, of course, all your media, which you mentioned, Encounter Today, Encounter News. Um, and then if they just go to the website, they'll also be able to see all the media. And definitely you want to go to uh, Bishop Allen's Encounter um, Ministry YouTube channel. Some of the most outstanding media being produced, and you can't see them, oh, but Evan DiDio is behind the scenes, and he is, we were actually talking before we started recording here about how they're doing media internships, and I said, man, I would send anybody that wants to be effective in media, not just Christian media, in media, to Evan's internship. You guys do an outstanding job with all Thank of that. Thank you so much, man. You're such a blessing to us, you and your ministry, your family. We're so thankful to be connected with you. Uh, I love you guys, and um, anything you ever need, all you have to do is ask. Whatever we can do, we will always do for you. We believe in you so, so much. Same here, man. Thank you. All right, my friend, let me let me put you on the spot before I let you go. As the Holy Spirit leads, will you please pray for yes. our audience? Yes. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I don't simply pray that you'll keep them safe. I pray that you'll make them dangerous. In the coming days and weeks and months, take them to heights that the enemy cannot follow them to. Take them to places too treacherous for those demons that have been tormenting their life to even follow. Raise them up in this season, O oh God, and let a glory fall and rest on every household represented that partners with this ministry. Let there be breakthrough in their access and in their and multiplication in everything they put their hand to, God. Let there be supernaturally healing and let there be household salvation as they walk in your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Bishop Allen, thank you so much, my friend. Evan, thank you behind the scenes for helping make all this happen. If you guys get anywhere near Charlotte, you want to go to Bishop Allen's church. His, Evan and Terry, his wife and their whole team, they're amazing. But you can connect with them online and through all of the great media that they're doing. You don't want to miss that chance. Bishop Allen, thank you for your time with us today. We so love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're a blessing. Hey, and I also want to thank all of you partners of Robert Hodgkin Ministries. You help make all this happen. Thank you. You are our go team. You help us go to the nations through meetings, missions, ministry, and media. Thank you for partnering with us and being part of God's solution to help us bring his presence, power, and personality to the whole wide world. You help us make that happen. And if you haven't partnered with us yet, I encourage you, go to roberthodgkin.com and click the giving link. You can sow a one-time generous donation. We'd greatly appreciate that. Or please consider being part of our Go team and becoming part of God's solution in sending us to the world. God bless you guys. We love you. We believe in you. And you are going to have a glorious 2024. Ready for more? 
Go to roberthodgkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines.